seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 144 of Color of Magic, a magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Aguan Watson, and for 144 episodes, I still have my main man because we're lucky he has power, Brian <laughs> Allen. How's it going, dude? Fingers crossed on the power. Like we were just that, that came across right before we started. I think I saw it right before we started. That hey, yeah, second power grid warning of the week. Yeah, man, I f- I feel for y'all. That's a constant thing. That seems so, so terrible. So if, if we just go dark for a second. Other than that, though, I, I feel like you know we we got all the machines back hooked up. Uh, my my <laughs> my, my face is, is reattached from my dentistry, and I feel like uh, that, that uh, spot in uh, I think it's Star Trek Generations where Captain Kirk sits down at the bridge of the Enterprise for the first time in like twenty <laughs> years, and then they ah uh, yes. Oh man, I, I can see that. I mean, but you know what though? You got everything back. You got your health going. I mean, so hey, we're off to a good start. We're off yep. to a good start. Hey, also, if you want to take care of the show, pay some love to our sponsor, Cardsphere.com. Great place to buy and sell cards at the price you want. And hell, it's a remaining place you could buy cards because there's some other news we're going to talk about later in the show. But yeah, check them out. They've been a supporter of the show for a while now. You know, so go over, check out some cards, set up an account. I'll even have a video coming soon to tell you about how about the website and some cool projects I'm actually working on with that. So go check them out over at cardsphere.com. And then if you want to just toss some money our way and help with some projects and have some input and get access to our Discord, go over and join our Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash color magic, just like Lillian Young, who's been a member since September 2020. So thank you so much for that. And finally, you can go to colorofmtg.com slash shop and you can get some tokens and play mats that look like us. And you could go out and share that in the world as you start going to events. And we'd appreciate that. But that brings us to a very interesting show this week. We have a lot of fun topics this week to talk about, actually. I think y'all are going to really enjoy this one, but let's get into it. I made this post the other day because I, I put up a video on my YouTube channel and I had a segment I clipped out because I had an opponent that had like three time outs left, maybe four on arena. And they were doing all their stuff they could do, right? Killing all my stuff, you know, making me discard things, sacrificing things, whatever. Still managed to come back. Last turn, I'm about to attack and kill them. They decide they want to put the rope on and they're going to use all their timeouts. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I started just talking to my audience, tell them like, look, y'all are y'all could be mad. And this goes for any game where you're talking about Hearthstone, whatever, any game where the effect is I'm going to slow the game down because I'm about to lose. Right. But it doesn't matter. All they're doing is giving you more time to enjoy your win. Yeah. People want to get mad. Like, I hate when it's like, you know what? I think like to think about the visual, like they're at home cussing up a storm, probably throwing something at their monitor like this game, stupid flipping their table, you know, whatever, like they're showing you how petty they are. And what they don't know is I got petty levels of patience. So I'm cool just sitting and waiting it out. Hell, I use it as a chance to rep my merch. You know, I'm taking a sip. 
hell, as gamers, we probably don't get up and walk around enough. You should probably get up, stretch yeah. your legs, go grab a snack. They're basically giving you automatic built-in break time. You didn't even have to work for I, I had a similar situation happen where I was making a WWE 2K video and this is this one of the things they should probably address with the kid because they, they do like a different match type every day. And that day the match type was no DQ, no count out. Problem being, that means your opponent, if they're getting beat up, could just run outside of the ring and stay there forever. So I waited somebody out for about, I believe, 45 minutes. Because <laughs> so, I mean, no, nah, you, you don't realize I'm taping a video today and you're probably going to be in it. I got nothing but time. Damn right. I'd have turned that into the narrative of my video. <laughs> <laughs> like, for real. I'd have done some short time lapses and be like, well, they're still hanging out. I'm having a pina colada, blah, blah, You know, I'd have had fun with it. So, so I, that's the thing, right? People are trying to let the losers have the narrative. Like, take the narrative back from them. Like, turn it into something positive. Use it as celebration time. Like, you know, why, why should they get to have the narrative because they got their butt whooped? Because that's basically what they're saying. They're saying, I'm so mad that you whooped my ass that this is all I got. So I'm just going to make you wait to, to take your win. But and they're also waiting because let's say they're exactly. trying to actually, especially if it's late in the season, they're trying to grind to whatever level of the ladder they want. You could have won three other matches, possibly, depending on how your deck works at the time you're sitting there being stupid. Sometimes. I mean, I've literally had somebody pile up their timeouts where I sat there for like five minutes, it felt like. That's a whole other match in arena. And cause, yeah, because some people, if they don't draw, you know, their combo or their thing, they scoop immediately. See, we easily could have got another match or two in while you're sitting there. Yeah, you know, for sure. Being ridiculous. And that's why I'm just like, cool. I, I got to the point a while back where I'm like, you know what? I'm not even bothered by this. Like, this is letting me have more time to celebrate my win. And turns out, community loves it. Nobody's even mad about it. I put that in the video and people commented on it and it was all positive. And people are excited, even on, on Twitter, lots of cause, positive responses. And I was like, cool. So we, we might be making a change. Like, if you, if you decide you just want to rope somebody, that's a you problem, not a me problem. All right, Brian. I hear you've got something really interesting to talk about today. It was originally going to be a what did I learn, but the more I sat there and, and watched it and researched it, I just got angry about it. And it's become a soapbox. What do you got? Because it sounds La- good. In Las Vegas, there is apparently a whole subterranean homeless community that lives in the storm tunnels under Las Vegas. So that's like real life Morlocks. Basically, it's just, you know, and of course there is, you know, drug usage, obviously alcohol, all the things that, that, you know, come with with long term homelessness. But I just got more and more upset in a place where (laughs) upstairs people are throwing away (laughs) their money, which is, is your money. It is your right to do that. But if there's anything that describes the American economy and, you know, the people at the top. And the people at the bottom, that a whole subterranean homeless community under one of the most expensive, glitzy, just, you know, the the tourist trap of the West Coast, so to speak. That, that's that's America in a microcosm, sadly. Yeah, can't can't argue with you. I mean, you're not wrong that, I, I you know, really, though, if you're in like Nevada or Arizona. 
that's and, and not to make light of anything, but that's got to be a harsh place to be homeless. Yeah. Mean, you're talking about both extreme heat and extreme cold. Exactly. And if you and if you're going around trying to panhandle, I mean, people are on vacation. People already don't want to deal with you if you're homeless or trying to. But if you catch somebody on on their vacation and try to take their photos. I'm sure they're quite rude about it at that point. Yeah, that's wild, man. Not something you hear about every day. Not in the U.S. anyway. Oh, I, yeah. I, of course, I didn't know about that one until, you know, a week or so ago. So God knows how many more there are. Oh, could be several, honestly. But uh, this is this has been a weird week. So let's go ahead and hop into the most fun segment of the show, which is just what did we learn? Because I think we both have a fun one this week. This is, this is some more breaking news from the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Somebody had called the police last night to report. No joke. I didn't think I had heard it right when I heard it on the news. Somebody hit a camel on the highway on their way to Fort Worth last night. Yes, I said a camel. That's literally about to ask you. <laughs> yeah, their way to... And then turns out there's just a whole, I guess, somebody left wherever they keep their livestock open, I guess. And they were they found camels, zebras, donkeys, uh, Z-dogs, which apparently are a zebra donkey hybrid. I didn't yeah. know they could they could hybrid, but they can. Why? Why camels? If you're maybe I mean, if you're selling exotic animals and you've decided on camels, I guess. I mean, to like a lesser extent, like zebras, I kind of go, eh, all right, it's yeah. like horse-like, donkey-like, whatever. I, I kind of get it. But why? Like, I'm trying to think, like, who in Texas with all their money is like, you know what I need? <laughs> I need camels. <laughs> like, I don't I don't understand what there's got. Like, I guess maybe if you're breeding them or like, I mean, are you selling camel meat? I don't know. If you're not on one, do you even believe that report when it first comes in? Hey, I hit a camel. Like, okay, sir, are you drunk? It's probably your first. Dude, <laughs> imagine being the person who was driving at like midnight. Right. You you slam on the brakes. You hit a big ass camel, and you're trying to call like your insurance, and the cops are gonna be like, "Look, I was I was just going down I five or I thirty five, and I, I just hit a camel. Like you know, like just what? There was a camel was crossing on- the road." You know, like, I don't know how you even explain that. Apparently, it was on the toll road. So you paid to hit a camel or a zebra. But, dude, that means that camel walked a little bit. Yeah, it did. Because them toll roads aren't, like, right up against neighborhoods. No, that's one of the things I think we've talked about here before is how Texas cities are not designed to be walkable or in any way enjoyable. They're they're, they're concrete nightmares. Which also means there's probably somebody else who thought they saw a camel go across like their yard or plantation yeah, or whatever, and, and, and was then like, they threw their bottle out the window. Like, yeah, nah, exactly. Nah, like, I'm, I'm going to AA tomorrow. Or who knows? Too much. One of the small towns probably had somebody report a camel, and they probably thought it was like a prank call, and they didn't do nothing about it. You know? Yeah. That's random. Like I, I, I think I'm just stuck on why a camel. I. I I guess if you're like I said, raising exotic animals, and you decided that's where you're going in at, and See, camels and zebras. To me, that feels like a baller on a budget type thing. Yeah, 
Like you called up somebody and you were like, I don't know, I want a giraffe. And like, ah, giraffe's going to cost you like 70000 And you're like, ah, I got two. And they're like, well, I can get you a camel. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Or whatever. I don't know. Maybe camels are 5000 I, I ain't got that kind of money. I don't know what camels cost. But like, I can't imagine a camel's, a camel has to be on the lower end of like the exotic purchases, right? I don't know. Maybe I I'm mean, crazy. Would, Maybe camels, would, especially in Texas. If you're in Texas and you want one, I wouldn't know where to buy one. I That's guess I know saying. now. That's why I joke around the idea of giraffe money, right? The concept yeah. that not only do you know what a giraffe costs, you know who would tell you how to get one. You know, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm the wrong one. Maybe having a camel is a baller move. Maybe camels are like a hundred k. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know. I figured they would have to be reason because considering how much you know we were looking into possibly getting a fur baby at one point. When I found out, you know, just for a Yorkie, for example, I'm like, no, I'm. I'm black. I'm not paying five thousand dollars for a dog. It's oh just no! Not oh no! <laughs> nope. That that's a, okay for real. Legit. Unless you are for real, like planning to do hardcore training and breeding with, like, I don't know, like a a special tier like Brit pit bull or something. Black folks don't pay that kind of money for pets. No, no, like we just don't. You could tell us it's a purebred like English bulldog. It's got this lineage, whatever. We're like, nah. We're just dude, going down to the shelter. <laughs> yep. Like, I, dude, I'm telling you, it sounds messed up, but culturally, ask all your black friends. They would look at you sideways and be like, I ain't paying that much for a dog or a cat or whatever. Like, right? not happening. Not happening. Hell, even all the pets I've owned, like, they've all come from like shelters. They've been yeah. rescues, whatever. Like, I just, I can't justify it. Now, exactly. now if I was going to be breeding them, I was going to do dog shows or whatever. Like, cool. Then, yeah, it makes sense. You go ahead. But outside of that, nah. Because I happy. paid five or ten thousand dollars for an animal. It's got to earn. I'm sorry. It's mm-hmm. going to do the whole job. <laughs> you got it. You got it. All right. So, this one I've got is a little bit silly. Like, I, I've been, I, dude, I've, I've been pretty hot fire on, on the Twitter the last week you or two. Like, it seems like everything I put up has been gold lately. Like, if y'all ain't following me on Twitter, y'all just missing out. Like, for real. Power dragon spit hot like fire. Apparently. Like, some of these just accidental, to be honest. But, you know, whatever. I guess my thoughts are interesting. So, this particular one, though, is not one of my thoughts. I actually found another guy. His name is Jared C. Wilson. And I had seen it shared originally, maybe on Facebook or something. But I was like, you know what? This seems like the type of thing my Twitter community would would enjoy. Because they tend to be a little bit older to follow me. So his thing actually says, as you get older, you begin to suffer the occasional series of increasingly humiliating micro injuries. And you start asking, like, how did I hurt myself? I slept wrong while I was driving. I happened to yawn while checking my blind spot. I drank water too hard, you know, and I'm like, these are all relatable things that people have dealt with. Right. So I put up with just the caption that said, I can't stop laughing at this, but I'm also afraid to laugh too hard. Right. Because it's funny. Dude, this thing took off like wildfire for real. It's got 10,000 likes, 20, almost 2,200 retweets, 230 plus quote tweets, and an endless amount of comments. And what I discovered is I now, not directly, but I'm putting this together. I think a lot of us game because subconsciously we know it's not dangerous. Because there was people, one person said they broke their ankle putting their sock on. Wow. I'm just like, how fragile are we as humans? <laughs> yeah, you're talking to somebody who was hospitalized because they coughed too hard. 
dude, one dude said he just he's injured because he forgot his special pillow. <laughs> like for sleeping. I was like, yo, y'all are y'all are out of bounds with this. But that's another thing you never worried about as a kid. But yeah, as an adult, you realize when the real? pillow is not providing the proper neck support. But I started thinking about it. A game like Magic, right? Like you can play till you're way older. The, the closest thing you have to an issue is maybe if you had like arthritis, shuffling would be rough. But like even then you could side shuffle or get somebody to shuffle for you or whatever. But I started thinking about it. Like, we've talked about it before. You age out of some of those other games at 23 because of reflexes and whatever. And I already have seen some of those kids playing like these LCSs and everything else with like wrist braces on and stuff. And I'm assuming that's partly because of like wrist or finger issues, maybe carpal tunnel or something. So like you can play a card game for ages and not have any of those physical things be a problem. And think about it. Like if you're one of those people like, oh, dude, the number of people that said they just like literally stepped off a curb and then like hurt their knee. Yeah. One person threw out their back, washing their hair. Like the fact that you can do the least physical thing, sitting down at a table inside, you know, air conditioned in most cases, no real problems. Kind of makes sense that this is the chosen game for a lot of older audience. And I hadn't even thought about that. That's like, you don't like you're kind of almost subconsciously doing the uh, danger assessment check, right? <laughs> Whenever you do stuff. But like when you're gaming, you're like, you automatically know that gaming is safe physically anyway, right? Maybe this is why we do it because it's low impact, low concern, almost no danger element. Makes sense. But it's one of the things I hadn't thought about until we started, started this thread and just the stuff that came through. Cause man, it is like the stuff people listed was just bananas. Like once you said she was just taking her bra off and like threw out her shoulder or whatever. And I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, the we just get hurt doing nothing? Oh, that doesn't surprise me, because some of those bras are like, it's almost like some kind of, you know, corset contraption. They, I had no idea how complex they were until I got married, yo. But dude, like, look at it. Like, one dude said, I said woo too aggressively after hitting a nice shot to win a game in pool and pull the muscle on my back. Now, my response is he screwed up. The thing is, when you do something successfully, you got to yell, Kobe. <laughs> you know, right. He didn't know. He said, no. I said, I got to help some of these dudes out. But yeah, it was just crazy. Like one person just like hurt themselves brushing their teeth. You know, somebody hurts their wrists like a couple times a year doing something basic. Like it's just like a laundry list of things all the way down. Like just crazy. And I was like, man, I am glad I'm a gamer. Like at some point in my life, I'm going to be one of these people where I don't know. Breathing hurts. Like, I don't know, yeah. man. Like if you follow this, you don't ever want to see the outside ever again. But yeah, just, just crazy. But yeah, I thought it was fun. Uh, if you want to check it out, it's up on my Twitter, just twitter.com slash power dragon. It is an endless source of entertainment and not laughing at people's injuries so much as people just making fun of themselves or, Tell me about the most absurd thing that happened to them and how they hurt themselves. Like, oh, man. And what's sad is some people, it's happening to them very young. You know, people did mention some of them have, like, wrist injuries at, like, 24. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, golly. Like, you, you're already done. And then one guy even said, I think the human – the what do you say? I think the human body only has a 35-year warranty. You know? I was like, yeah, that's about right. 
But yeah. And then you see people like Schwarzenegger or Stallone at their lifted cars. And <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah. You know, the Mark Henrys of the world. Yeah. Right? By the way, did you hear that crazy story that Taker told about them when they were in Europe for a tour? Uh, no. Okay. So apparently, and apparently this has been verified as a true story, but you know, they take tour buses around when you're doing city to city overseas or whatever. So they, and of course, because you do what you do kayfabe you have like the faces on one and the heels on another whatever right but anyway so they they're trying to leave and they're in a hurry and of course whoever parked next to their bus parked right up against them or whatever so the bus driver can't get out whatever so they're waiting waiting they're trying to find who owns these cars or whatever and apparently mark henry just looks and says i got you like grabs a towel goes out literally like wraps it under part of the car lifts the car up to turn it sideways, like puts it down, gets his hands reset again, lifts up, moves it another couple of feet or whatever so the bus could get out. And I'm like, dog, how strong are you? <laughs> that like everybody's saying, and you're like, y'all, I can do this. And just, you're like, I'm just going to go move the car. <laughs> like, I mean, physically get out and just this move the whole Hulk stuff right there. Yeah. I'm like, that's crazy. That, And not only, like, here's the part I don't think people understand. It's like, not that he's strong enough to do it, that he knew he could go do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, just easy. Yeah, that's the when I see people do like these ridiculous like feats of strength or these really complicated things, I'm not impressed that they can do it. It's that they had the knowledge and the awareness that it was possible. Right? That he just went, don't worry about this. I got you. And just like goes out, moves it like it's nothing, comes back in with the towel over his shoulder and they're all ready to go. Right. Like, what do you even say after that? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, it's one thing to be able to do it, you know, for a world championship or at the Olympics. But, hey, just casual Tuesday. Let yeah. me get this car out your way. I'm like, literally, like, that's a dude you just don't mess with. No. Like, you literally just go, man, he he might just push me and hurt me. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, seriously. But that's like that all that strong man stuff where they're like walking Volkswagens you know, 50 yards or whatever and like pulling small planes and like it just ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. I wonder if they get any of those weird injuries. (laughs) You you wouldn't think so looking at them. But all right, let's get into the actual news of the week because we do have a really big story to talk about. So those of you that woke up, uh, I guess it was yesterday and saw some interesting news. We saw it too, and the news was that TCG Player is acquiring Channel Fireball and Binder POS. Now, first off, some people have asked what is Binder POS because they don't know. But POS is not a piece of, you know, <laughs> it's it's actually a business term for point of sale. So you'll see that a lot for different people. Basically, point of sale being the software that they use whenever you're at the register. Binder POS had just recently, to my knowledge, started working with Channel Fireball in an agreement to, I guess, be easier integrated for the retailers that wanted to use their marketplace. Uh, And Binder POS is used right alongside like different companies. There's like Shopify and whatever. They all have different software. Uh, QuickBooks has one that I used theirs for a while when I had my place. So like there's, there's a bunch. We've talked about how when somebody comes up with a program or a service that makes your that makes your whatever you do at your business so much easier, a lot of times, yeah, you just go ahead and buy them. Just to, to yeah. make. Well, the thing here is, 
not like, I, and people ask like, what's the benefit of somebody like TCG Player buying that? But, well, part of it is if Binder has already done the work to integrate a lot of the gaming stuff, because people forget TCG Player doesn't do just magic, right? You can go to their website to buy like Pokemon and Flesh and Blood and all these other things. So if they've already done the work and you want to work with them because it makes it easier for your retail partners and your customers and whatever, then you're going to be paying some percentage to them, probably per sale or per month or whatever, based on number of transactions or whatever. There's a lot of ways they could structure that. But if you do the math and you're in TCG Player's position, and I don't know, I, I don't think it's, maybe at this point, TCG Player has a billion dollars going through their website every year, right? If of those transactions, you're going to even give up a half a percent per transaction or whatever, per the binder POS thing or equivalent, maybe it's a quarter of a percent, who knows? That's still going to end up being a lot of money when you're talking about billion dollars worth of business or more. It might, it could realistically be a lot more. Because think about this: like Wizards made a billion dollars selling basically new Magic and D and D product, right? Like that didn't do anything to do with singles. That has nothing to do with any other game. And you still are some of that stuff they made money on is actually being sold through TCG Player. You know what I mean by retailers. So it's not unreal to think that there's maybe 2 million or 2 billion going through that website. And even a small percentage of that is hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. You know, so if something like Binder is going to be able to be acquired for, let's say, I'm just making up a number, maybe it's $5 million, $10 million. I don't know how big their network is. But if you are already going to be paying them a couple million a year for using their service, you might look at that and say, well, in four years, five years, We'd already spent enough to just buy the company. So it makes sense to just buy them outright because then you're also getting a percentage of all the other businesses that they work with. Exactly. So it might actually pay you more <laughs> over that same amount of time to buy them as opposed to just work with them. So I don't know, but that that's kind of background for people who don't know why they would want Binder POS as part of this thing. Now, the bigger part of it for, especially for Magic players, is... What about Channel Fireball? Right? What does this do to the landscape? Because the first issue is retailers now have one less marketplace to work with. Right? You kind of had the Channel Fireball thing. You had TCG Player. To a lesser extent, you had something like uh, eBay. Obviously, sites like Cardsphere that sponsor us. You know, there, there's a few options out there, but not a lot. Now you have one less. So what does that do to things? And go ahead. Do you want to say something there? Uh, no, uh, okay. I'm just, I'm just, this is the this is this is the hardcore business retail yeah. part right here. This is well, part of, part of the thing is it's mostly fine, right? And and actually, if we can take a second, they actually did post uh, their compelling what they call compelling strategic benefits for making this purchase. Uh, the first point was deliver collectibles focus uh, sales as a service solution that empowers retailers in store and online basically saying retailers get access to more stuff using their stuff when binder combined or whatever uh unite the most influential content brands in the industry which you know pretty much everybody would accept it's probably channel fireball tcg player and star city are the three biggest players so that kind of makes sense and then enhance the collectibles customer experience with unrivaled subscriber awards and that probably remains to be seen because we don't know what they're going to turn that into yet. 
So, I mean, eh, reasonable arguments, but I at least wanted to put that out there to say, like, this is what they're saying their rationale were for doing it. But as a consumer, I mean, if you followed the pros that were on TCG Player, they were putting out a fair amount of content every week. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know if the way they got paid to do that is going to be in line with TCG Player's business. And honestly... It might just be one of those things that TCG Player adopts and says, okay, cool, we're going to do this for all of our content creators or whatever. Like, do we even know if Channel Fireball is going to stay a separate operation, right? It might just get shut down and just everything move over to TCG Player. Very possible. Now, they did say, at least I saw something from Sasso, who's one of the guys over at, at TCG Player, or I mean at, at Channel Fireball, that the sale did not include their retail store, which is named called Superstars, but he did mention it'll get another name or rebranded for some reason. The only thing I can think of is maybe business-wise, Superstars is tagged to the, a lot of the same business with Channel Fireball, so legally it probably makes sense to separate it entirely and give it a new name. But that, if you at least go visit their retail storefront or whatever, that's going to continue to be separate. So. That's just a thing to know about that's out there. But just, uh, would you say this is the biggest, uh, I guess, magic retail merger ever? Yeah, I'm trying to think of even like other stores that have merged together or whatever, but they don't they didn't have the large scale national or I would even say for sure not worldwide, you know, impact that either of these brands have had. So it's probably up there. You know, if we were going to say like the most. Yeah, I probably have to say so. Yeah, largest purchase, most influential. It probably checks a lot of boxes, honestly. So yeah, it's it's a different time. Like I like, you know, and I've had people ask me how I felt about it. You know, having business experience in the industry and whatever, and it's like, I don't really know. I mean, it's gonna be one of those things that, you know, could be a fine deal and not much really changes other than people that used to go to Channel Fireball now go to TCG Player or I don't know they go to some other website, right? But. The thing becomes if, let's say, over the next two or three years, Channel Fireball, or I mean, uh, I guess they won't be existing. So let's say TCG Player starts telling their retail partners or users, well, due to rising costs, we have to raise our prices 3%, right? And then that happens over the next year and over the next year. Like, there's no other real marketplace that operates like that that you're going to be able to use. So it's like, uh, then it, then it's bad. You know, but if the other part of it is they do a lot of integration for different things, they, I don't know, maybe they find a way for you to register your events through their website and all this other stuff. Well, then it becomes a very cool solution for gaming retailers. So it, it could go either way. I and mean, one of the I, things I've noticed is, you know, when the government is supposed to step in, you know, antitrust stuff, when one of the biggest companies buys the number two company or vice versa. It seems like it almost never happens with nerd or gaming related properties. I get think because they just don't have enough knowledge. Cause isn't that pretty much like number one, number two or, or one A and one B? Uh, it's probably like number one and number three. Yeah, so you know? if this was, let's say, the telecommunications industry, somebody would be like, hey, wait, let's let's do some due diligence. Let's make sure this doesn't create a monopoly of some kind. For example, one of the biggest ones I remember that I thought something would have another gap was when WWF bought WCW, literally number one, buying number two, 
and the government just let that go through because they basically don't care about wrestling. You know, those well, were both I, I think it's multi-billion dollar companies. But the thing is, though, I think it also comes down to like how many people does it affect? You know, how big are these transactions? Because when you're talking about like, in a way, I mean, Wizards bought TSR, which was Dungeons and Dragons, right? Back in around 2000. But like, what was the money in both of those and how many jobs were you even affecting? You know what I mean? Like, it, I mean, in, the, in that industry, you'd have to figure it a pretty, a pretty big amount. I understand sure, that like, compared to AT&T, you know, or time. Warner, think about but, this, like even today, Wizards of the Coast only employs like five to 600 people total, like in all their offices. So it's just like, you know what I mean? Like what the government's going to step in for at the time, especially at TSR, probably if I'm guessing was like 20 jobs. 30 jobs at best and they were already floundering right same thing at wcw wcw was basically almost out of business on their own like they were just going to be shut down by turner broadcasting anyway so if vince didn't buy them and there's stories of like bischoff tried to get with other people and get buyers or whatever and they just couldn't even find anybody to make a deal so even if you didn't have them buy them it's like okay well then their stuff's just going to go under and then vince is going to buy all the rights to the other stuff at a fire sale because remember, that's all they really wanted anyway. Like, it's the media that was worse stuff. Like, because they already had plans. We didn't know it at the time, but they had plans to do, like, the whole WWE network and all that. So now you can show all that footage of Sting and Ric Flair and, you know, and that's where the money's at, selling all that. And at the beginning, they did, you know, they tried to get all the main events, but most of them were under time order contracts where they didn't have yeah. to work if they didn't want to. So, you know, they, they wanted, they eventually got Goldberg 20 years later and Sting 20 years later. Yeah, that that just didn't work out. But but it's tough, right? Because when you're talking about the game industry, and these are two, two fairly sizable companies, but still comparing it on the grand scheme of things, I mean, how much does AT&T make in a year? It's got, well, it's got to be, what, 10 billion? I don't know. Probably some ridiculous. Number. Hell, speaking of which, the numbers for telecommunications are so big that people forget. I believe AT and T owns uh, Directv, or at least has ownership shares. They're all Directv is probably going to go under because they're going to lose the uh, Sunday ticket. I don't know if yeah. you heard about that. So yeah, Amazon's getting it now, right? You know what's happening? Uh, they didn't. They didn't say Amazon, but they said they're shopping it round to online streaming services. And like, Amazon keeps buying yeah, exactly. broadcasters. Like, so <laughs> everybody's assuming, and Amazon's already made it known that not only do they want in, there's a chance that they would like to even own a team down the road yeah. or whatever. So who knows? There's but, like three or four of the biggest broadcasters on a network <laughs> have all of a sudden decided they want to work for Amazon. So yeah, I, I feel like I feel confident saying it's probably Amazon. But here's the thing, though: you're also talking about they make so much money that one thing they're taking from them, they're going to be shopping around for $2 billion. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you're talking like scales of difference on, on, you know, money, jobs, whatever. So I don't, I don't know what it would take for the government to step in on something like this. And yeah, I thought the purpose of them doing that was to make sure there's not an effective monopoly in an industry. Sure. But technically I would say if I was TCG player, the argument I would make is, well, there's still all these other places people can sell cards. And there are, right? You have the Amazon marketplace. You've got eBay. You've got, like we're talking about, like Cardsphere. You've still got uh, Star City selling their stuff. you still got Card Kingdom. That's a big one. Overseas, you've got uh, Magic, was it Magic Card Market, I think is what it's called. Like, 
which is basically like their international version of TCG Player, whatever. But yeah, so there's still plenty of places. And honestly, so, I don't remember the last time the government said, "Hey, no, <laughs> you can't buy that company." It seems like it's been a minute. Yeah, the only thing they, I remember the last they stepped in on was T-Mobile and Sprint getting together. Was it Sprint? Yeah, maybe it was. I think it was Sprint. And that took like, they were going to do it and then they couldn't. And then they could if they bought or sold certain parts. And then there was like all these different agreements. And then eventually that went through, I think last year, two years ago, something like that. But it was a thing. I remember hearing about that like five or six years ago. And it just took forever before they could even get it approved. Because there was all these different things they had to measure and meet. And then it was like, what does the market look like? And, you know, all this other stuff. So they do step in, but not that often. Yeah, and they hadn't stopped Disney in a long time. So yeah, Disney, like, Disney's Disney. a real one. Like, that's yeah. a real one. Like, you might need to step in on that at some point. I mean, because literally, it's gotten to the point that anytime a big company in media of any kind is thinking about selling, everybody always says, like, well, Disney's probably going to try to make a pitch or whatever. And it's just like, if you're in that many conversations, like, there's probably a problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. That can't be good. But no, for us, for us as gamers or particularly as Magic players, I don't know if it's that big of an impact. I mean, I only know of a handful of stores that had started using the Channel Fireball marketplace. Not that it was particularly bad, but it was still newer. It only been operating for, I think, a couple years at this point. So people weren't even fully integrated into that system yet. A lot of people were still already using TCG Player. So not that big of a surprise. And I don't think it's that big of a concern at this point, but we kind of have to see where things go going forward because it could, like I said, depending on how they treat it, could have an impact, but it could be also very positive. You know, a lot of people don't necessarily have negative things to say about TCG player either. There's a lot of positive, um, you know, they pay their employees pretty solid. I believe they have like a union ish thing for their employees as well. So there's already some things that are on the positive side for them. You know, they're one of the most respected companies in Syracuse, you know, so yeah, maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. Like it, it feels more positive than negative, but there are some elements that could end up being very negative, I guess is the best way I could put it. Something tells me this is one we'll be, <laughs> we'll be revisiting this topic. I'm sure as uh, things. Uh, yeah. You just kind of have to go back to it. Yeah, just got to come see what happens. You see what actions they take or whatever. You know, and most important, I think the big story people are going to be following is what happens with all the personalities from Channel Fireball. Because you're talking about a lot of pros, several writers. I'm sure they have their own social media tech teams, you know, videographers, whatever. Like, do they still have gigs or does that get integrated into the offerings that TCG Player has? Because they mentioned that's one of their things of like, hey, we can create this whole giant service of things and, you know, integrate all these things from these two websites. So if they do follow that plan, then cool. Awesome. If they don't, well, there's going to be some other people out of jobs and you know, that happens with mergers, unfortunately, but all right, let's talk about some board game stuff. So Brian, I don't know if you saw this story, but it was pointed out by some people in our Discord. And by the way, if you want to be part of our Discord, go join our Patreon over at patreon.com slash color magic. Okay. Um, Very uh, nice segue there. <laughs> yeah. Friendly Local actually is the one who brought this story up. So I want to give credit to them where it's due. Um, but the story was basically, if you don't know, there's a game called Puerto Rico. That's actually pretty popular. If you go check any best board games list, 
it's probably going to be on the top 20 on a lot of people's lists. It's it's like uh, it's one of the OGs of the board game industry, I would say, of the hobby board games. So people people have known about this for a while. It uh, I want to say it's kind of really took off in the early 2000s, sometime between 04 and 06, when people kind of started coming around and checking it out. And one of the big things about the game is it's based on a uh, a plantation. And you're kind of doing plantation with like, yes, there are slaves and whatever, which, of course, are the brown cubes, because, you know, what other color would they be? And the game refers <laughs> to them as colonists, kind of sidestepping the issue there. Yeah, you're trying to make it very much like a colonialism type thing or whatever in Puerto Rico. And while it doesn't really affect the game and the game is very good, I think it's always been one of those topics about the game that has affected people a little weird. Like they read through it and I'm like, is this really necessary? Right. Like. Because it's not like what you're doing in the game is telling a historical reenactment of a thing. You're not telling anything that needs historical accuracy to be that. So it's like, hey, could we change this narrative a little bit? And that's apparently been a discussion going on there for a few years. And one of the fun things about it, and I believe uh, Jason Perez, I think, is the guy that led the charge on this, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but Ravensburger, the the parent company, has actually brought in what sounds like cultural consultants, and and honestly, Prez might be one of the people on that team too. That wasn't really clearly defined, but the fact is, they're actually considering: okay, how can we still keep the game mechanics similar, but change our look, change our language, or whatever, so it's not just you know people coming in and trying to take advantage of the the locals and the slaves effectively right like how do we make this something that more people can appreciate aren't offended by you know whatever and i i you know i'm kind of with that right saying like hey why do we just have to make it about colonizers and slaves right like why don't we make it more of a working relationship and the people are actually paying the workers and that's part of the game mechanics right the game still works the same way but we're going to change the the narrative and the terminology of things so it's not so weirdly offensive for no reason and it sounds like everybody's on board with it which is pretty cool so and it's not that we're just picking on puerto rico because there are a number of games that have oh, yeah. some sort of colonial mechanic and that's the thing that has been talked about for several years now because it's part of why we're here when oh, yeah, there's definitely. nobody of color in the room when the game design which is the case for i'm gonna guess 90 to 95 percent of these games it just never occurs to anybody that all the little brown cubes are basically slaves oh yeah for sure and you know kind of like we're talking about from a historical standpoint one of the things they talked about is like yeah like there were sometimes like some of the crops were considered poor man's crops because they were easier to grow and whatever but if you were one of the locals you could farm those and still make a decent little living for yourself right so Make that the narrative of just like, hey, these people aren't necessarily just working for somebody else. It's like they found a way to make one of the cheap crops for themselves, and now we get to pay them for them. And that has a little bit of a better spin. I think they're going to be titling the new one Puerto Rico 1897, I think. I think I have to go back and check my notes, but I think that's what they were going to put on it. Um, I couldn't find a release date, but it sounds like either late 2022 or early 2023. And they're giving the box a new look as well. So, yeah, if you're a fan of the game, it sounds like it's going to be very similar. 
but just have a new look, kind of new terminology or whatever. So if you enjoyed it, it'll still be familiar. They're not going to really change much about that. But I do kind of appreciate what they're doing. Yeah, and and the change in you know perspective where you're not you know you're not the colonizer. You are now an independent Puerto Rican farmer. So yeah. just that is so much you know just so it's, it's a, for some people that don't get it, they don't get it, and you know they won't even notice the change. But you know for people of color who had a problem with it the first time around, it is a huge change. Oh, yeah. Well, we've talked about it before, right? When you already have an industry where you walk around and you look at the faces of the board games, there's almost no representation of color at all. You know, it's you're not in the artwork. Hell, when they even use actual people, sometimes there's no no. There's not even like the tokenism, you know, in in the imagery. So I kind of get it. Right. And then you open a game and you play a game and it's like, oh, Right. Of course, the brown cubes are the slaves. Right. And you're sitting around playing with your white friends that are playing board games. It's like, ah, like some people are going to feel a little weird about that. Like, and I kind of get it, you know, but even some of the versions of Puerto Rico that have been printed over the years, same thing. You know, they had boxes that didn't even depict Puerto Ricans on them, (laughs) like, which is like, okay, well, why was that not a decision that was made? Exactly. How how does that even happen? It's because they didn't, you know, they didn't have a diverse uh, a diverse room, and nobody yeah. thought of it. Now I will say the the box they have for the art on the cover for the new box is actually pretty cool. It's very simple, very clean. Uh, it's kind of stylish. It has what looks to be two darker skinned people and a white person on it, which is cool. So it's like kind of telling a different narrative for the game going into it, which is pretty sweet. So I think that alone is going to be a big deal. You know, now, and I know some people are going to listen and be like, well, should we just go change every game? Blah, blah. I was like, well, it depends. Like, what, like, are we going to take Germany out of every game? No, but, you know, we don't need to put Nazis in every game either to just be the bad guy just because, right? But if we're talking about, you know, we're playing Risk or World War II type stuff or whatever, right? Like, Okay, it makes sense that you're going to have stuff representative of the Nazis because you're talking about war at that time. Okay, cool. And even with that, you still need to tread lightly. You know, oh, sure, sure. Not going to argue that at all, right? Like you do need still need where if you're saying the excuse is historical, try to keep your facts all historical through the process yeah. and make it part of the story. Because just including them, just to include them, is is silly. You know, whatever the race or the bad guy or the villain or the hero or whatever it is, have it be relevant to the narrative you're trying to tell. Because otherwise, think, uh, in, in gaming, Wolfenstein has probably done the best job of yes, it is about World War II, and then kind of a, uh, I guess a steampunkish ver, not steam. Well, you're just alternate history version yeah. of World War II, but still, I was hey, Nazis are the bad guys, and you know the the main hero is uh, Jewish, and he ain't gonna stand for this BS. <laughs> yeah, basically, you know, and that's one way you could take it. But they said, "Hey, this is the setting for this game," you know, and then you just roll with it. And there's a lot of games where you don't really get that as a setting; it's just kind of thrown in as like, uh, "This is the element we're gonna use," and it's like, "Okay, but well, why that?" You know, like, why why couldn't we have done something else? And I think that's where the issue starts for a lot of people. Because, like, we've talked about it before. Like, if we do a thing and, you know, it needs to have slaves in the U.S. And we're talking about 
the Civil War and whatever. Okay, that all makes sense, right? But if you just say like, okay, well, this is going to happen to do with black slaves. Like, okay, cool. Well, why is that the premise if nothing else here is talking about that era? Right? Couldn't we have just done something else? You know, that becomes the question. Because if you just said, I want this element, but then it doesn't resonate with anything else or relate to anything else, it's just like, well, why why did we make that design choice? We talked, and I forget which episode it was, about how just there's been a whole lot of monetization of black trauma for, in some cases, no really good reason. Oh, definitely. But, you know, the other side of that, though, is, which I never bought it. I need to, to add it to my collection or something, because I just want to play it and do a review, honestly. But the one we found about, like, the Underground Railroad or whatever that was. Yeah. Right? That makes perfect sense. The whole goal is you're trying to play Escape Slaves. So it's just like, that's a game where it makes sense to talk about it, right? Historically, whatever rules you put in there, if some things are harsh or not, as long as they make sense within the narrative, cool. Nobody's really going to say much about it. But like with Puerto Rico, the thing that kind of came up over the years was always like, all right, we have these like plantation workers that are basically slaves, but like, but why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like they, they don't really, it doesn't, admittedly, the game's still good. It has really good mechanics, plays well, none all that. But like, at the end of the day, you kind of look and go, like, we could have done these this scenario a bunch of different ways. Why was this the choice? Yeah, when you've got a game, as you mentioned, it's pretty much, you know, technically perfect. Why do something that's like, you know, a thumb to the eye that, that just yeah. makes an entire group of people? Not want to play the game. This is where you, where you talk about how to be inclusive in gaming. This is how you take something that was problematic, you redo it. Now everybody can enjoy this experience. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that over the years they sounded like they've explored different ways to try to make this still stay the same. Like we know this game's good, we know this game sells. What's the closest thing we can still keep doing to this, but change the story and the narrative around it? And I think they hit a nice sweet spot with that. But, you know, it, you, it's, it's hard conversations, right? And the marketplace has also changed. There was a point where, I mean, I can tell you from being in it, right? it was saying predominantly white would be an understatement. I mean, it was probably 90 plus percent white. <laughs> so, I mean, not to say that like, they just didn't care, but it's like it was less of a concern, right? Now that you have personalities of every background picking up board games, D&D, you know, whatever, like that's starting to change. So now the likelihood that you're going to encounter somebody that's offended or bothered by these things, or or it, I won't even say offended or bothered by it, but at least going to question those things. Because I, I think, unfortunately, the narrative of just like, this offends somebody or so like it's not usually to the level that people think it is. Like when somebody says somebody like if I say I'm bothered or offended by a thing, it's not like I'm up in arms and I'm never going to touch this game. And it's not that it's just, you know, I'm questioning it. Like, why was this the decision that was made? Right. And also, it's it's we've talked about if it's your first gaming experience, let again, let's be honest. If you're the only person of color in the room, and the first thing the white people do is break out the game about slavery. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Just, I did not want to hang out with that gaming group anymore. 
You're not wrong. (laughs) Goes back to when people were talking about, why do we got to change the names of these magic cards? It's just a card. Again, imagine it. As as I said, when they change the names and and the pictures of those cards, if I walk into a magic or any kind of gaming store to play magic, and the first card they play is one of those cards, I'm going to walk right back out and I'm never playing that game again. That's a good point. I mean... First experiences go a long way for a lot of things, and, and that is very, very important to consider. So, yeah, I can't, can't argue with you there. And it, it is a lot about impressions, too. It's just saying, like, what do you want your brand or your games or whatever to be thought of or known as as new people come into the market? Right. Do you want to be the one that's like, oh, yeah, this person does very progressive things. They do cool things. They have fun stories, whatever, like. Or is their first couple of experiences like, oh, theirs are the games that have like no representation or they're the games that like, I don't know, have slaves in it for no reason or whatever. Right. That's going to turn some new people off. Yeah. And to be clear, because, you know, we, we get a lot of flack about this custom, but, you know, it's not that we're saying that anybody that designed this game was racist. Or oh, that no, anybody no, no. that's playing this game is racist. It's literally no. they didn't think of it. Because, you know, the group or the, 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 the room where this was created wasn't diverse. And so many board game tables are not diverse. And if that's the case, nobody thinks of it. Oh, for sure. You know, there I, have been I, plenty I, of times where something, you know, look, where the, a game depicted something that looked crazy or did not have a favorable representation of women. And it didn't occur to me until a woman yeah. sat down and said, oh, my God, what the hell is that? Why is she dressed that way? You know, Think, think you about know, this. I, before the before the game industry as a whole had any, we'll call it significant amount of female representation. How many times did you look at, like, I don't know, red Sonia depictions with her, like, half chainmail outfits or whatever and not even think twice about it? Right. Right. But the first time you put real logic to it. You're like, why the hell would she wear that? Yeah. Right? But for a lot of dudes, it wasn't pointed out until a woman said, this is dumb. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and they're not wrong. Yeah. Like, Her armor is a thong. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, how does that even work? Right. And I remember, fortunately, and maybe because I don't know, I've had different women in, in different levels around me growing up. But like, I remember having that thought of just like drawing some characters and going like, why would I draw a character that's going to battle with her midriff showing? Right. And that was literally like where I had my realization yeah. of just like, that wouldn't even make sense. Like they would just hit you in the largest part that you have. Like they hell, they train police officers to shoot for the torso. Yeah. That's the biggest part of the target, right? So you're telling me somebody's supposed to go to war with like the easiest part to hit exposed. Like that that doesn't even remotely make sense. But we accepted that for years. In the fantasy and hobby communities, yeah. because we, we there weren't enough women to say like y'all should probably really think about this. Because when Red Sonia sold comic books, she spawned a wave of imitators. Mm-hmm. And that's with everything. Like if you went to buy a miniature for your like yep. female barbarian or whatever it was, she was going to be dressed with something similar. And I thought it was cool when you started having companies and artists and stuff going like, no, we're just going to make like women paladins in full armor right like because that's what they would wear right they like you're representing this deity or whatever like your d's not gonna be like yeah you know what you need to be wearing 
a metal bikini. That yeah. sounds awesome, right? Like that's how you're going to go pick up followers. Like that's no, right? That doesn't make sense. So I think that applies to so many things in our industry, but we just had so long a period where there just literally was no representation. And the, and I also want this to be like, nobody's on a quest to tear down all these games, right? Some games, you're at a point where it just doesn't make sense to change them. They're just not going to be a way to keep the mechanics and do the search. So some of them you just aren't going to fix without making all new games. In the case of like Puerto Rico, it was like, hey, we could just change this little tweak on this narrative, change some artwork, and now the game's more accepting and it's still the same game. So in those cases, yeah, let's absolutely do it, right? Because we're changing an element that has nothing to do with the gameplay at all. And as somebody pointed out uh, on the the link that you sent me from our Discord, if you're going to go in and be like, hey, this is historical, this game has a slavery mechanic, then it also should have a slave rebellion mechanic. Yeah, sure. Or a that happened. A slave. Yeah, because that's also history. Is that, for example, in Haiti, slaves said, "No, we don't believe we gonna be doing this." Oh, dude, that <laughs> and was and got free. That was one of the things I found out about when we went to uh, the Virgin Islands. They had one of the islands out there was a big uh, sugar uh, plantation, and same things out there, you know. Which also is why they have alcohol and rum because they yeah. were able to ferment lots of sugar. You know those out there. But yeah, it's it's interesting though. It's a pretty cool story, you know. Interesting to see kind of where the rest of the industry follows or doesn't. You know, there's a narrative to that too. But I I just don't want people to take away that someone's goal is just like we need to change all the games. Like we know we're not going to change all the games. Some of them it's just not worth changing, right? You just leave them be. But where you can and it makes sense if it makes our hobby and our industry more diverse and more welcoming then it's probably worth doing, you know, because at some point we have to talk about like, okay, where does the next crop of game designers come from? Who's going to be the next run of store owners? Who's going to be doing the demos at the conventions, right? Like if those groups aren't more diverse, how do you get those other people into your industry? And, And, you know, we were just talking about this last week, right? Like you have to make room for those people to exist so other people want to exist. Right. If you make that first barrier that much more difficult, it's going to be even longer before you realize that. And the truth is, getting more people means you make more money. Period. Right. If if you have more women, you have more Mexicans, you have more whatever, like that's a whole new group of people to come engage with your products that you can monetize. So I don't even want to say gatekeeping because you're just you're not even gatekeeping. You're just pushing them away actively in some cases, right? There's no point to it because all you're doing is stopping growth. Because there's a point where you've nearly maxed out your current audiences. And ask almost every company, it's how do we get into this other audience we we don't have access to, right? And this is some of the thinking some of these companies have to have moving forward. But overall, cool change, honestly. And it's neat that it's coming from a game that's been around for, you know, damn near two decades or whatever at this point. So super, super cool about it. And it sounds like the people involved are excited about it. So, yeah, Uh, there's also a video uh, that Prez has. If you want to go check it out, do a search on YouTube for checking slavery and colonialism in board games. I believe the channel is called Good Trouble, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, if you look up that title, it'll come up and it's a it's a pretty cool video. So if you want to just give that a look. 
But yeah, that brings us to our dinner table conversation. And this one's actually kind of interesting. And I don't know where this one's going to go. <laughs> we we might meander a bit on this one. <laughs> but... Us, kinda, uh, us meander, the hell you say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I kind of I kind of wanted to ask ask the conversation, Brian, of like, what is the importance of influencer and what actually what importance do influencers have on their respective gaming communities? And I and I ask this because, well, obviously we do this for a living, but you get people who will, you know, when there's an issue immediately rush to their favorite creators and be like, hey, are you going to talk about this? This needs to be a thing. And we know yeah. you have a big voice. You need to talk about this, whatever. Or, oh, did you hear this thing's going on with this company? Oh, how is this going to affect the thing? You know, whatever. But then the other side of that will be the minute you say something that's like, well, you know, we think company X should do this to help creators or whatever. It's, well, your, your opinion is not that important. Or they don't they don't need to be wasting money on you or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, either you don't view them as that important and necessary or they are that important and necessary. Now, personally, I don't care which I really don't like it's, we're going to keep doing what we do either way. Right. But, and I don't know about you, Brian, but like, I already have people that follow me that I'm their subject matter expert already. Right. When something goes on with wizards or there's a major change or whatever, they're coming to me to see what my opinion is. Or and they, every week we'll have people say, "Hey, can't wait to hear about you know." Oh yeah, stuff, sort of yeah. I've happens. gotten that on Twitter, just like, "Oh, this yeah. week's color of magic's going to be a good one," and I'm like, "I, don't, I didn't even see the topic y'all are talking about, right?" So that's a thing, right? And same way they'll come like, "Oh man, I'm looking for this type of deck. I always come to your channel, you know, whatever." But then there's also the equal number of people that hell last week. I have an example of this. I put up a thing because I just played in the early access event for Alchemy uh, Baldur's Gate. And I got done and I and I molded over for about a full day and was just like, I don't know where things are going to go with Alchemy. I don't know if I, it might already be dead or dying on the vine. And when I say dying, it'll get down to whatever its lowest number is going to be and just hang around there for probably the next like five years. But I couldn't think of anything that was positive for it to go anywhere. Right? So I'm like, well, let me make this thing and ask other people like, I'm going to put out 10 points of issues I think it has that are keeping it from succeeding or whatever. And immediately, one of the first people that responded was, well, it's not like your opinion really matters. Like, uh, creators think they're so full of themselves and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I literally gave very measured opinions and statements. And it didn't. I, I even said, I want it to exist. I want there to be more ways for people to experience the game. I want more people to be able to play the game more ways that they would like to. I just don't see anybody who's enjoying this currently in any significant numbers. I love it when somebody goes off and responds to your thing, but then says your opinion has no relevance. Then why'd you respond to it? Yeah, exactly. Right. But my point is those people exist. The other side was lots of people saying, Oh, these are things I hadn't really thought about. And that makes sense. Why this isn't working or man, I totally relate to this. I agreed with your points, you know, whatever. And the point of that wasn't really to like stop people from playing alchemy if you enjoy it go enjoy it i don't care like it was more me just saying like hey having played the event this is kind of my takeaway and this is why i've been feeling weird about this is i don't know if i'm going to play alchemy again for a while right i i would like to play in the next early access to see how much has changed or whatever to be able to talk about it fluently but i don't know if i'm going to play it actively in between 
This is, I guess, where I drop what's becoming my signature phrase. Criticism is tearing apart the thing you love because you believe it can be better. To some level, yeah. I, I can mostly agree with that. I also believe that fans are the best and worst thing to happen to damn near every property on the planet. Oh, I would absolutely <laughs> agree with that statement. And uh, the, uh, the one place you see it the most is Star Wars. Like, I see more Star Wars just bad takes from fans and I'm just like god like you know those people help support the brand but at the same time you just make it so hard for people to enjoy the brand sometimes like but I everything has that you know every show every video game like it's it's just the way it is the the thing that's helped me you know I guess I hope become a better Star Wars fan is having kids because while for me Star Wars is a thing I have loved since I was my children's age you know what Star Wars is for them they're they're, they're the Lego their favorite Lego yeah. characters it's, you it's know a, they have it's a, whole, a space they, movie right it's like, the character they pick in a fighting game or in a you know yeah. <laughs> or in a board game or something it's not it's not something they've been they I mean, they've grown up with it but yeah, I don't think any of them have ever sat all the way through any Star Wars movie but you know they play all the video games and some of the board games and when they're just you know they're like Disney characters that hey just these are people that exist and they enjoy them as you know as I said fighting game characters board game characters just things where they you don't have to watch the movie you just or the memes you know they know all the Star Wars memes these are things well, they see, enjoy from without ever having to be even really engaged with the movies that puts us in a whole different category of conversation because then you're talking about like some people are just getting mad that. In in their view, you're attacking their nostalgia. And that that is even more troubling to those people. They're like, I view it this way. I grew up with this thing. This is the way it needs to stay. This is on a pedestal. You can't talk bad about it. But like, I tell people all the time, there is stuff I know we grew up with that I watched that I won't even go back and rewatch it to not destroy a memory. Because right. I know it's bad. Like, I tried rewatching like Goonies, the yeah. Lost Boys. Uh, what else did I have on that stretch? Retro? And I, I each one, I got a few minutes in, and I'm like, nope, not going to do it. Like, I'm just going to preserve a memory. Like, I already see how bad this is going to be. I, I'm I'm walking away. I'm just going to accept that I had fun with this when I was, like, 12. <laughs> and that's it. And As a kid I'm, in the southern United States, one of the things I grew up with every Friday was Dukes of Hazard. And yep. yeah, it's a Same. whole different experience now as an adult. But they got to remember, yeah, I was 10 years old. But even if you take away all the Confederate flag, you know, all of that, just logic. Bruh, real talk. Hold up. I thought about this. Like, how much did it have to pain our, like, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles to, like, See you want to enjoy something with the big ass like it's a southern flag on the yeah. top of the like General Lee. I, I don't think my mom or my grandparents ever said anything out loud. I think I might have had the General Lee toy car. Mm -hmm. I, I feel pretty sure I had to. That's what I'm saying. You know how much I had to hurt them, like yeah. for real, like ooh, and because I even just looking at it as an adult, it kind of just bothers me. So I have to imagine for them, it was way worse. And the car makes a little. <laughs> 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 
the restraint it had to take for my mom not to just yeet that thing into the fireplace every yep. time was just as I said, it's not even just the Confederate stuff, just basic logic that showed it. For example, why do the police ever chase them? They know where Uncle Jesse lives. I had that thought. I remember asking that as a kid. Like you would literally just go to their house. Go to the Duke farm and wait. Yeah. <laughs> Don't show up. But the Luke ain't got real jobs. They came by a hotel. Yeah. The shows in the eighties were were pretty rough. But but seriously, right? This this is what we need to ask. Like uh, like I don't even know what to ask. I guess it's just that I accept that each creator is going to have some relevance and complete irrelevance to every person that comes by their presence. You know, I accept that for some my the stuff I put out, no matter how much work I'm putting in. Some number of people are going to be like, oh, this is awesome. I like this person, this character, this personality. Awesome. And then you're going to have somebody else that's like, yeah, this ain't my jam. I don't know why this person's like this. Or I this person's so boring or whatever, right? Hell, I had somebody just the other day. They posted like, watching this person play is like watching an aggro player with PTSD or something. I don't know. And I was like, I'm sorry you feel that way. Like. Sometimes I'm just thinking through some scenarios and some of them are not going to be happy choices when you're playing, right? You have to make tough spots. And I'm just sharing my perspective as I think through the things. Some people, I've literally had people say they love that I think through stuff that way when I'm out loud, right? Other people hate it. And I'm like, ah, that's fine. I get it. But it's Isn't that why you would watch somebody else gaming just to figure out why they do, you know, the, how? Sort of. But, you know, everybody watches content for different reasons. Some people this just true. want to be funny. They just want to yeah. be entertaining. Some people are there just to hang out. I know somebody who she does streaming, not magic, but some art stuff. And she says people show up just to hang out with her. Like they're studying while they just listen to her like lo-fi stuff and her just talking about doing her art. Right. So they're not even really paying attention to the content. They're just there for company. Yeah. <laughs> so like every creator is going to mean something different to everybody. So I don't really know, like, and, and I, I would even say within each brand, not just the size of the creator, but I think just overall, the creator is going to have a different value. And, you know, so, sorry to your haters, but yeah, how many subs subscribers are you coming up on? Uh, almost 20K. We'll probably be 20K in another month and a half or so. So whether that person that complained likes it or not, your opinion absolutely does have value. Yeah. When, when 20,000 people listen to what you say, uh, other companies listen to what you say. That's the bottom line. Oh, sure. And I would say collectively, creators within a community do have significant influence. Right? Because I have no doubt if if let's say whoever the 20 biggest creators were for magic got together and we're like, okay, we're going to play alchemy. Like if this is what I would do, if you were wizards and you really want to get people to play alchemy, you take some budget money. I don't know. You'd have to figure out what you estimate each creator to make in a month or whatever and say, okay, for this month, I want you each to make at least two videos a week playing alchemy that are X amount of time long or whatever. And we're going to pay, based on views or whatever, and they're making anywhere between like a hundred and I don't know, let's say a thousand dollars or whatever that week or whatever, then, okay, you enough players see enough people enjoying that format. They're at least going to go try it. Right. And we know that's true. It's the same reason that you get 
hell, what's his name? Matt Damon trying to sell you cryptocurrency in these commercials or whatever, <laughs> right. right? Like, there's a reason they do that, right? There is some influence from people that follow these other folks. Fortune favors the bold, especially yeah, when they've that's, been paid that's in the one, right? You've seen the commercial, right? <laughs> I but, also saw somebody calculated, like, how much money you would have lost if you invested when Matt Damon said to invest. Oh, yeah, it'd have been a crazy amount now. But that's my point, though, right? There are, to say there's no influence would just be foolish. Right. Because it may not even, now, an individual one may not have that much influence. But when you put it with the group, then because so, I've told you before, I've been in stores up here in the Northwest that is basically Wizard's Backyard and have been in a store with people playing Commander that did not know what Game Nights was and did not know what a professor was. Right. And those are two of the biggest channels in Magic. So it's like, even to their level, they don't reach all the players. Now, other people in the store and some of the ownership and whatever, like those people knew. And that indirectly affects those people who didn't know. You know what I mean? But it's always interesting to know who who is seen and who's not and whatever. It's It's a very tough puzzle to put together. And it's that way for every game, I imagine. Because, like, I'm sure you have people you follow in different games or that follow your stuff for different games you put out. Absolutely. Like, there, I'm on a several, you know, uh, other Madden creators. You know, we all count on each other's videos and Madden creators. And we'll say, hey, how's your, you know, theme team going? Have you tried this player yet? Like, no, I didn't like this dude. He dropped too many passes, what have you. And see, and that is also probably at some point leads to your reach because in their community starts to get to know you or whatever. So, you know, some number of people are paying attention to the things that they say or they do or people they recommend. So it's very interesting, right? I, on the one hand, I say like, yeah, we, as creators, we have an influence, but it's not, I, I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think people feel that we as creators think we have a bigger influence than we do, but it's actually opposite. I think a lot of creators think they have a smaller influence than they actually do. And that maybe that's just humans being self-deprecating or whatever. But I can't remember the last time I talked to somebody that wasn't fully established. Like, again, we're talking about a game nights or you're talking about Covert Go Blue or a, a Tolarian Community College. Like, they know they have a large reach, right? Yeah. You've got hundreds of thousands of people that follow. You have very nice padded bank accounts because of the content you do. But right? even with them, there's a certain part of the comic convention you can drop them in. Like, say, oh, let's sure. say the, the Hero Clicks room where nobody will know who they are. Oh, dude, you know as well as I do. There have been guests invited to, like, Gen Con that had nobody in their line. Yep. Like, and though that's sad when that happens. But, like, you're talking about they're inviting people that are... TV personalities, movies, you know, whatever. Hell, they've had wrestlers, whatever. And there have been some times where there's just nobody in the line for like two, three hours at a time. Hell, I think it was, uh, I was one year, Gail Kim, who's not like an unknown wrestler. No, absolutely not. Had, and then the entire time I passed by and just checked out casually her line, she might have had 10 people. Now, I'm sure there was more than that. But even if you say like the entire day, what did she see? Maybe 50? Yeah. You know, when other people literally have lines that are constantly 200 long, you know, and never look like they're shrinking. Right. So that happens. Right. You ever, but if, if you put her on like a weekend for like WrestleMania or something, she would probably been signing autographs all day, every day. Yeah. So much of it is just like where they, you know, where they book you at. 
as you said, what weekend? Because let's face it, there are, there are but a handful of people who are like Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson, where the entire world would know who they are. Most That's of us, most like, of us, you, you can put us in a certain corner of the world, and yeah, nobody will, nobody will have any idea. Even now, I'm thinking about like who would cross, like outside. I mean, outside of movie stars, because I mean. You know, I think a lot of those would be recognizable. But outside of movie stars, how many people could you name that you think would hit even, God, I don't know, 40% of the audience? If you just put their picture in front of them at, like, the mall at random. I, there, there, there have been studies. I mean, there ain't a lot. Because I'm like, I mean, it's, it's like you said, like Jordan, Mike Tyson, yeah. maybe Tiger Woods. Uh, it's a pretty small list. I'm I'm like stretching to come up yeah, with it, yeah, that aren't like movie stars. Like I mean, like like yeah, Steve Austin. Stars, you know? Steve Austin, but he technically he's a TV star now. You know, yeah. so maybe that doesn't even count. Like I I just don't know. There's not a lot. I mean, really, even among athletes, there's not a lot, and athletes are on TV a lot, right? Because if you don't follow that particular, there are a few people that, that transcend the sport. Like I think LeBron would probably be somebody that even my wife who probably who yeah. But I think there's a lot of people that may not know who LeBron is. Sadly, if we were just at the mall, I don't even think he would connect. That that's and that's crazy because yeah, he would probably be like I would assume the most popular yeah. player in the NBA. But I was thinking about it, I'm like I I think there are people I know right now that if I just showed them a picture of LeBron, that they wouldn't know who it was. Outside of like a jersey, you know, just show them in yeah. like a suit or something. But yeah, so it's it's tough, man, to think about what the influence. There's definitely influence, but I think sometimes people just have to accept that, like when we're talking about something or giving an opinion, sometimes it's just that, right? It's not yeah. trying to move the needle on something. Sometimes I'm just educating people. I tell people all the time when I do a lot of my, we'll call them talking head pieces, like. I'm not trying to influence people. I even tell people in the video, like I'll say, this is my opinion. Yeah. Or however, I am going to give you all these facts that you may not have known about. Like kind of the same thing when the narrative, the last time I did one of those that was pretty informative was when the Wizards announced their, uh, what is it, their quarterly goals or whatever it was, or targets or whatever. And they talked about, well, they'd made, a, you know, a billion dollars in sales and, you know, they had to raise prices because of profit margins and whatever. And people kept saying, oh, well, that doesn't make sense if they made this much money. I was like, no, no, no. You sold that much stuff. But if you only make, you know, let's say they did make a pile of money, but you made it on 5% margins, you have no room for error. You know, and had to explain that. So I did a little thing with like uh, like three simple spreadsheets so you could change the numbers in it and show like what's the difference was between profit, profit margin, you know, whatever. And still had people complaining. Right. I don't know why you're taking up. I was like, I'm not taking up for anybody. You can feel however you want to feel. I'm just educating people so they can use the right terminology when they're talking about it. Like I'm making sure people are smarter about the things they're discussing. Whatever you do with that information, that's on you. Right. I have no dog in this fight. <laughs> but I think people say, like, I'm mad at a thing. Then if this creator's thing doesn't agree with me, they're wrong. And we see it all the time with athletes and other stuff. We've talked about that. Right. Like where. Yeah. You got the shut up and dribble, right, for for LeBron and company where they're wearing like the T-shirts or whatever it was. But the minute you get one of those people that comes out and agrees with them, oh, they want to share that comment on Facebook, on Twitter, right. you know, whatever, right? So it's like, okay, so you think they're, they do have influence and their opinion matters when they agree with you, 
but all of a sudden their comments are worthless when they disagree with you. Right? That doesn't make any sense. It's one or the other. And it's fine, whichever way you believe, but you can't have it both ways. But on that note, Brian, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on socials? All right. I am Brian Sonic on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And you should come by, tell all your friends to come subscribe to my YouTube because I'm racing to 20,000 and we're just about inside of 900 left to go. So I'd much appreciate it. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please take care of yourself and your family with all the junk still out in the world. And remember to be awesome and be awesome. To if each you'd other. like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 